0: We live in a restless world. Uh, If you've uh, ever used a smartphone, uh, you'll you'll recognize, I I use an iPhone, so I'm not sure what it is for other phones, but you can swipe to the right and instantly you have a news feed, right? Like we live in in what people call the 24-hour news cycle. Your news feed comes up and any, uh, any, any time of the day, it'll give you an update on what's happening around the world. Right? There's always news. There's always something going on. You could, you could do it now and you could swipe and you could see at an instant what's happening. What's happening in politics or in business or in uh, different sort of environmental issues. What's happening all around the world. We live in a 24-hour news cycle. Even more than that, we're constantly connected, aren't we? We are so well connected to people. Your your phone. Think about it again. Your phone is pinging and ponging, dinging and donging. It's like a Dr. Seuss book, right? Like it. it your phone is just. It's doing all sorts of things to keep you connected. You, you cannot get away from it. Like within an a, an arm's reach of you is people all around the world. That you don't necessarily need to be connected, but you can be. Uh, think even further about the, the Western expectations of work and think about the restlessness of that. Perform or get the boot. You, you need to give us your soul. Give us your life. Work harder. What, what boss has ever said to you, hey, look, that's, that's enough. Can you not work quite as hard this week, please? No, it's right. Like In our culture, in a Western culture, the expectations of work are fairly high for most people. Now, I know that's a generalization, but most of the time that tends to be true. Now, if it's not work, think about the, uh, the, the manner of things that we fill our lives with. It's, it's hobbies, it's activities, it's projects, it's housework, it's socializing. We are busy people. We fill our lives to the brim. And we live in a restless world that cannot stop. Not only is the world a restless place to live in, we ourselves are restless people. In in a sense, we dig our own graves, don't we? We're so willing to be busy. More than that, at times we're eager to be busy. I just need something to do. One of the the ways we do that is we allow work to define us, right? We allow the work, the things we do to define who we are. It's all about the next project. That's all I can see now. What's next? Or it's all about the next promotion or the next qualification, the next rung up the ladder. And this is who I am. It defines us. Or, Or consider it another way. We're full of good intentions. I'm sure you've met any number of people who are overcommitted, right that's that can be the case within the church people know about the grace of god but they're over committed and, and maybe that that's for a couple of reasons maybe maybe people can't say no i wonder if you're one of those people who can't they find it really hard to say no or, or even it's not that they can't say no but it's but it's 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 FOMO, right? It's fear of missing out. It's like I I can't I can't say no because I don't want to miss out. I need to be involved. I need to be connected to people. I need to be doing things. I need to be active. I can't stop myself. You know, we're restless people. We we, we strive to prove ourselves. Right? I can make it. I can do it. I can handle this. I can become someone significant. I can make a mark on the world sounds good right it sounds very noble what is it about staying still what is it about stopping that we're so afraid of what is it about rest that we are so afraid of i think we're afraid of what we might find i think in in our quiet moments i think we we ask ourselves a couple of questions and we're terrified by them let me let me Let me suggest these to you and and these will shape uh, a little bit of the discussion for this morning. The first question I think we ask when we stop and when we rest is we ask the question of identity. Who am I really? What defines me? Who am I at the core? Who am I as a person? You know what the fear is there? There isn't really that much to me once you strip back all the activity or the busyness. There's not really that much. So, we build our identity around our work and, and, and our activity, right? Think about the identity statements we make. I'm a professional. I'm a working professional. Or I'm a, I'm a busy mum. I'm a student. I'm a sports girl or, or guy. I'm a professional bodybuilder. Like, that's the one I use all the time, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm, that's a joke. I, I'm connected, right? We, we use these identity statements, like you turn to the side and where did Matt go, you know? So, it's. Think about the statements we make. I'm connected, I know people, I've done stuff. Now look, you you might not make those statements, but you live like that, don't you? This is who I am. So the first question we ask when we rest is, who am I really? It's a question of identity. The second question I think we ask is a question of approval. Who or what gives me worth? What do I have to show besides my achievements? What do I have to show for myself besides these achievements? Does anyone approve of me? Maybe no one really approves of you. Maybe most of the people around you cut you down, sometimes without even knowing it. Think about the relationships that you have in your life. And think about the the approval questions you asked. And when you don't receive that, you get defensive, don't you? You don't know how hard I've worked. You don't see what I've done. Have you used those statements? You don't even notice me anymore. If you really understood what I've done, you wouldn't dot, dot, dot. Right? You You know what I'm getting at. If you really knew who I was, you wouldn't, or you would, dot, 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 right? Insert answer here. Those are the approval statements that we make because we're so caught up trying to find approval. Think about, uh, uh, this is a common example, think about social media. It's the cycle of approval, isn't it? Does anybody like me? (laughs) Literally, does anybody like me? That's the question we ask when we pull out our phone And we open that treacherous blue app are there any likes think about the cycle that that is think about what that does to our minds how much of your work and your activity is driven by approval the third question i think we ask is a purpose question what is life really about I remember uh, in high school uh, camping out at a mate's house, and we lay on the top of a couple of rainwater tanks and we looked at the stars for long enough for this question to come exploding into the conversation, right? You're talking about stuff and you're thinking, and you, and you stop, and a minute later, is this really all there is? Is this it? Is this really it? Is there more to life? Got to make the most of it, right? Only got one life, might as well live it up. We make the purpose statement in our work. work. So the three questions I think we ask. The first one is an identity question. Who am I really? The second one is an approval question. Who do I... Who gives me my worth? What gives me my worth? The third question is, what is life really about? It's a purpose question. Now, in that context, God knows what we need, and He has given us the Sabbath. You're going to open your Bibles to Exodus 20. We're going to read a part of the Ten Commandments. So, the context here is. God giving His people the Ten Commandments, right? We know these are they're famous right across uh, life, even well outside of uh, Christian understanding. Everybody knows about the Ten Commandments, and there's a good chance most people could uh, have a stab at, at probably half of them at least, right? If you asked anyone, "What are the Ten Commandments?" You know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, uh, don't uh, uh, steal, don't covet. Right? The one that we're looking at today is the one that, ironically, people are so ignorant about. All other nine commandments we're, we're cool with, right? Like, I'm cool with do not murder, right? It's not like someone's going, well, as long as my heart's in the right place, I think I should be allowed to murder. No, everyone's going, no, nah, it's probably not a good idea. Let's stick with do not murder, right? But the fourth commandment, the one we're about to read, is the one commandment that everybody... Uh, Seems to gloss over, right? Exodus 20 verse 8 says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. And rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, to understand this commandment, we need to understand what God is referencing in this commandment. The, verse 11 there is referencing the creation account. And that's where it all started, right? So, Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3 uh, come at the, at the tail end of God creating the heavens and the earth. He creates all that we know, right? He creates the animals, he creates the trees, he creates the sky and the planets and the, and the universe and he creates people. And then Genesis 2.2, 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. A little bit of re- repetition there. For a little bit more repetition, verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation, right? So think about this for a second. God creates... The universe, God speaks, life happens. He does that for six days. Consider them however you will, literal or, or figurative. Either way, there's a pattern there. He does that for six days. On the seventh day, he rests. Now look at this. It's not as if God was a weary man who needed the rest. He's not wiping the sweat off his brow and leaning back in the chair with a cold drink. Like, right, that's not what's happening here. He's not doing that. God is establishing a pattern, a model for humanity, a creation ordinance, an authority for his people. This is how life works. This is the reason we have a week. If you look in the Encyclopedia Britannica under the week, This is where people draw the understanding of the week from, right? The days, the names of the days come from ancient mythology and months and years come from various sources. But the week, listen to the Encyclopedia Britannica. The origin of the term is generally associated with the ancient Jews and the biblical account of the creation, according to which God labored for six days and rested on the seventh. God gave us a week, and we're so happy to accept it, but on our terms, right? God gave us the model in Genesis, the start of creation, the, one of the very first things He imparts to us, one of the very first ordinances, authorities. says, this is how I want your week to look. And then we go, that's, that's great, thank you, I'll have it on my terms. Now this understanding is... is um, unpacked when god gives the ten commandments and, and the additional laws around them so i've read in exodus 20 the commandment he gives um, for the sabbath but it, it's important to know they took the commandment really seriously uh, the, the the punishment f- for breaking the sabbath was death right like that's a like just imagine for a second now we now look Look, let's not imagine because there's a whole bunch of other things that would get us killed as well. I'd probably be killed for wearing the shirt that I'm wearing. So let's not imagine, but they took the Sabbath very seriously. Let's take a moment to unpack what God is doing in the Ten Commandments. So we know the story, right? Moses uh, leads God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the wilderness, and they're on their way to the Promised Land. Uh, and, and Moses, uh, they, they stop, make camp. Moses goes up Mount Sinai and dwells in the presence of God and and the glory of God passes over him, and the people see it, and God inscribes on tablets the Ten Commandments. That's what's happening here. So Moses goes back down, and he gives the commandments to the people. The Ten Commandments, they are the key requirement to the covenant relationship that God makes with his people. Think about the context. The context is God longs to be in relationship with his people. He, he frees them. He rescues them from slavery in Egypt and he brings them out and he wants to be in relationship with them. So he gives them a guardrail. So the Ten Commandments, they are a covenantal guardrail. These are the things to protect you because I long to be with you. That's the means of walking in covenant with God. Uh, a commentator says about this, yes, Love and fear of God is expressed chiefly through keeping His commandments. Yes, that's the the chief expression of loving and fearing God, keeping His commandments. It is obedience, sorry, but it is wrong to reduce love to obedience. It is obedience, but it is more than obedience. This covenantal loyalty is also the attitude looked for within a family. Between children and parents, and and between spouses, Israel's loyalty to and affection for her God should mirror His love for her. So, the the point of the Ten Commandments was obedience that stirs up love, right? Covenantal relationship, like a like it's in a family, right? There is rules in a family. There's obedience in a family, but it's more than obedience. It's about relationship. This is not going to work. Relationship is not going to (laughs) work. if we can't follow some rules, if, if we can't uh, live within the guardrails. So what we learn is that God doesn't just want their obedience. He wants their hearts. And the Sabbath was about remembering who God was to them. That, that, the first time God delivers that commandment is in Exodus 20. The second time God gives it to them is in Deuteronomy 5. And Moses is wrapping up his uh, stint as leader of God's people and they're just they're getting ready to enter the promised land. And Moses sort of does a bit of a, a recap. Remember, 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 remember. And, and he goes back over the story that God's led them on and he says this, he, he gives them the commandments again and on this one commandment he dovetails in this sweet little section at the tail of it and listen to this. Deuteronomy 5.15, he's just expressed the commandment and he adds this, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God redeemed you when you were a slave. Don't forget that ever You will spend one day every week remembering that. That is how important it is that you remember it. We're not just going to say, hey, have a think about it. God is saying one day every week you will stop what you were doing and you will remember what life is really about. You will remember the circumstance that you were in. Remember how God has redeemed you, how He provided for you, how He led you, how He extended mercy towards you now let's stop and notice uh, the connection here between uh, what we look for in our work and in our hobbies and our activity and and what god gives his people in the sabbath you remember the three questions i i uh, gave to you i think the three things we look for identity approval and purpose And look at what God is doing in this commandment. In an understanding of covenantal relationship, look what he's doing. The first thing he's saying is, you were a slave, but now you are not. And that is identity. You were a slave. That was who you were. But you are not anymore. I have freed you and I've given you a new identity. Think about the significance of that. (laughs) Approval. I would not have brought you out had I not chosen you for myself. I chose you as my people and I approve of you. The significance of that. And lastly, purpose. Follow me. Walk in relationship with me. Obey my commands. That is the purpose of your life. God is giving them these three. He's answering these three questions about their lives. Now, let's think about what this means for us today. But in order to do that, we just need to take a little quick stop over to understand the Pharisees, right? So the Pharisees uh, were the teachers of the law in Jesus' day in the New Testament. Now, the Pharisees um, went above and beyond. They, they understood the law of the Bible, God's law that He had given His people. And they took that and they extended it with a number of human laws, right? They went above and beyond the biblical Requirements about what could it could be done right. So you couldn't walk further than a thousand cubits. You couldn't wear perfume. You couldn't draw water into any vessel. You couldn't assist an animal to give birth. There was a a number of additional uh, uh, laws. You've got to remember that that the Jews uh, observe a different Bible than Christians do. There's a whole section missing out the middle called the Inter Testament. Inter testimonial period, right? There's a bunch, a bunch of books that we don't absor- observe as God's word to us. And there's a number of additional rules that the Jews are lived by. So when Jesus came onto the scene, there was a whole bunch of anger and frustration over what he was doing with the Sabbath. Do you not understand the law? There's a number of experiences. One of those experiences is in Mark 2, 23 to 27, and it retells this. I'll read it to you briefly. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, this is Jesus and his disciples are walking through the grain fields. As they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So they'd pluck the heads of grain, and they would rub them between their hands to get access to the grain in order to... Eat them, And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiath the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And verse 27, 28. Just pay attention here. He said to them, "The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath." So the Son of of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Right. So the understanding of Sabbath rest was on that day you cannot work; you do not do any work. So they took the biblical law and they extended that. And and listen, listen to what they're doing to the disciples. The disciples are walking through a, a grain field plucking heads of grain off and rubbing them right they're having a snack and they're rubbing the grain in their hands so they can eat it and the pharisees are, are considering this threshing they are threshing grain and that is work they are laboring they are exerting energy you're going are you kidding me you see you see their, their, their commitment to the law see the attention to detail they're showing every little movement counts You are rubbing your hands together and disobeying the law of God. So Jesus tells them this this story about David um, eating the consecrated bread uh, with the priest's blessing. And then he makes these two statements. And we'll look at each of these and, and try and learn from Jesus. How should we now understand Sabbath rest? The first thing he says is the Sabbath was made for man, not man for for the Sabbath. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Man wasn't made to, to observe. That's not the point. It's not made to observe all of these laws and these rules. And it's not about duty. The Sabbath was made for man. So the Pharisees were putting all their focus on fulfilling God's law to the point that they add all of these man made laws to it and they miss God's original intention. The Sabbath was made for man. God has given you, God has made, God has established this day of rest to remind you of your covenant relationship with Him. That's the point. The point wasn't the law. The point was, remember your covenant relationship with God. Remember how He led you out of slavery. You are forgetting what is most important. Remember who is in control. Remember who provides for you. The Sabbath was made for man. God gave this to you as a gift. And the second thing he says, to, to finish off in verse 20, he says, So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And this, this is the tremendous claim. Jesus is saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, now what is he saying here? What does that mean for us? Think about what we've already established the sabbath being for god's people think about the questions we ask ourselves in those moments of quiet and god's intention to give us sabbath to answer those questions and then think about god uh, in jesus saying he's the lord of the sabbath this is what he's saying i am the one who gives you the rest that you need it's not the law that gives you rest the law is a guardrail It's me. I, in my person, am the one who gives you your identity, who approves of you, and I give you your purpose. No wonder they wanted to kill him, right? This guy is claiming to be God. And Jesus, in this one beautiful statement, is foreshadowing the work of the cross. Jesus is saying, I am the one who brings the true rest that you need in your heart because I'm the one who takes away the wrath of God and gives you my righteousness. So you can be reconciled to God now. You do not have peace with God without my sacrifice. I am the one who gives you, who restores peace to God. It is terrifying outside of that. It is restlessness outside of that. So look look at the three things again. So God can look at you. He can look at you. And through my sacrifice, says Jesus, God can now say, my beloved child, my son, my daughter, I give you your identity. You are no longer a slave. You are now my child. You are a part of my family. That is only possible through my sacrifice. That's what Jesus is saying. More than that, he's saying God can now look at you. He can look at your efforts and your failure and your weakness and your helplessness, and he can say, It is good. I approve of you. I look at you, and I am seeing the righteousness of Jesus, the work of Jesus on the cross, and I approve. And lastly, Jesus is saying, God can look at you and through my sacrifice, he can say, I have prepared good works for you. I am the purpose of your life. Jesus in his death and resurrection becomes for us our Sabbath rest. Think about the way that answers those questions those fears in our heart, the the restlessness in our heart. So for those of us on this side of the cross, we don't have to Sabbath, we get to Sabbath. By God's grace, we have the joy and the freedom to rest. And we, let me just tell you, we need this kind of rest. I don't just mean for our bodies, right? I'm not just talking about physical rest. I'm talking about for our souls, Fedler says this. He says, We need to remember that work, while good, is not the sole purpose of human life, nor is the never ending acquisition of goods. That is not the purpose of your life. If If you're addicted to work, let that minister to you today. In our rest, we need to remember our slavery. And I don't mean like once upon a time, I mean like yesterday and the day before that. And the day before that, our heart's willingness to fall back into slavery and on in Sabbath rest to cry out to Jesus, would you rescue me? Remind me how you've freed me. Remind me of the work that you've done. In our Sabbath rest, we need to remember how weak and finite we are. I do not have what it takes I am dependent on God for everything. In our Sabbath rest, we need to remember the work that Jesus has done to free us from our striving. So we can can ask ourselves, why are you so restless? What's the point? Why are you striving? Do you know what Jesus has done? Do you know the work that He has done for you? Do you know the relationship you have with God now? Like do, do you see that? Is that precious to you? We need to remember that all of life is about covenantal relationship with God. And Let me give you an example. We uh, recently spent a week on the beach um, and I was reminded about the beauty of the ocean. I, I love the ocean. It's, um, it's got a, a certain majesty about it. Um, we camped, so we'd put our kids to bed. Uh, well, regardless of what we were doing, we would put our kids to bed. Um, but in, in the evening, uh, I would go brush my teeth on the beach. We were, we were 30 meters away from the sand and I'd um, get my toothbrush and I'd brush my teeth. It's the longest time I've ever brushed my teeth for because every night I'd just be captured by the majesty of the beach. I'd just be, I'd like 10 minutes, seriously, 10 minutes just scrubbing my chops, just enjoying the beach. And and, and think about um, the the, the ocean for a second. On the surface, it is restless, isn't it? It is just turmoil. It will toss you to and fro. It will wear you down. If you've you've ever been to the beach after a storm or or before a storm, the swell is tremendous. It will beat you up. But if you've ever snorkeled or free-dived or or scuba-dived, you know that underneath it is serene. It is placid. It is quiet. If you've ever been to the Great Barrier Reef, right? You'll sit on the boat on on the surface of the ocean and you'll rock and you'll sway and you will dive in and it's a different world. I think think that's what God intends for us, to dive into His rest like that. We can swim around on the surface all we want and we can get tossed around on the surface looking for an escape, but God wants us to let go, to abandon our inhibitions and our our selfishness and dive into Him as our rest. This is the Sabbath that the world so desperately needs. I've talked about busyness already, right? Like it's the false virtue of our day. Our hearts are, are overloaded. We are so full of unrest. Don't you know this is what your community needs? But you know, this is the kind of rest that your neighbors need, that your workmates need. Christian Sabbath becomes the testimony of the church to the world caught in the meaninglessness of life under the sun, doesn't it? There are these people called Christians who understand life, who understand who God is and their place in it, and they can rest in the middle of turmoil. And I need that. And that is the testimony of God's people. You can know true rest in your heart. You ought to consider this deeply. Let, let me give you a few guiding thoughts to close with to help, uh, help you consider this. Firstly, pray and ask God for clarity. And, and let your conscience be the guide. God, how would you have me Sabbath? How would you have me rest? Secondly, think through the implications of this statement. The end of human life is peaceful and worshipful communion with God. Think through the implications of that. The end or goal of human life is peaceful and worshipful communion with God. That is the goal of your entire life. So what needs to change? Number three, you're probably working too much. That's—I don't need to say much more about that. There's a good chance you're probably too busy. If you're married, ask your spouse. Right? You're going? Nope. No thanks. I know what I hear. Right? I'll know. I'll, I'll know. I already know the answer. You're probably working too much. The culture and the context that we live in—we just derive so much value from what we accomplish and from our work. Number four, think about the seasons of life, right? Like if you, are, if you were too legalistic, you could probably never start a business or, or finish a degree or... Um, go through certain uh, seasons of family life. There are going to be seasons that are fuller and you, where you operate at a, at a larger capacity than others. But think about them. You need to consider them. You cannot always be in an up season, right? It's like, yeah, I'm just in a bit of, a, a, bit of a, a larger capacity at the moment. And it's, you know, I've been there for about 35 years. It's like, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You need to consider the seasons of life. Consider the ebb and flow of life. At some stage, you have to find balance. This, this happened fairly uh, clearly for me a couple of months ago. It's an ongoing conversation with my wife. Number five, honoring the Sabbath will likely cost you. But don't be fooled into only looking at a the, the short-term loss. What a gift you receive in exchange. A gift of remembering covenantal relationship. Bear the cost. Think about the cost. If I practice a regular Christian Sabbath, what implications is that going to have on my hobbies? Or my work? Or my relationships? Number eight, it... it, should involve your family so mums and dads sabbath doesn't look like all right guys i'll be back in five hours i'll see you later it's like mom's gone shopping again and uh you know she should be home 7 p.m so that's not sabbath should involve your family to, as, a, as a family as a community loving and treasuring your place in god's story remembering who he is as a family, opening the Bible together. Number seven, that a church service is intended to play a role in Christian Sabbath. So, so hearing the, the spoken word of God, singing together as a community, fellowshipping together, that is, is the Christian uh, communities. Uh, uh, that, that's a part of, that's an element of Christian Sabbath. The church service is a part of that. We are fighting for your rest on Sunday mornings. That's what we are doing. That is part of our hope that you would be at rest here. And uh, uh, number nine or eight, um, where are you asking your work or your activity to give you your identity, your approval or your purpose? Think about your job. Think about your commitments. Think about your inability to say no to people. Think about your fear of missing out, your responsibilities. Where are you asking those things to give you your identity, your approval or your purpose?